Welcome back to RSN Central. It's time to catch up with Blake Redden and Jason Bonnington for our gate speed, uh, gate speed segment as we talk a little harness racing. Good morning to you, Blake, first of all. Yeah, morning, Gareth. Uh, well, afternoon. There's plenty to talk about, isn't there, obviously, with uh, with what's going on in the world right now. But also we will reflect a little bit and try and take our minds off it and look back on the week that was in harness racing as well. And hello to you, Jason Bonnington. Hello to you, Gareth Hall, and hello to you, Blake Gretton. Yeah, looking forward to, uh, I guess, taking a moment while we've got the opportunity to talk about the racing action because, as I'm sure we'll discuss briefly, we don't know what the future is at the moment, but we do know there was some exciting action, particularly at Tadcourt Park Melton on Saturday night. So we'll kick off with the things that we have learnt, and we'll kick off with point number one, racing given the green light for now, but what comes next? We had a chat to Dale Brown on our show this morning. He has been working around the clock with meetings um, with execs there from Harness Racing Victoria, of course, with the government to, to put in um, plans to continue this sport or harness racing to race on through these times, Jason. But what do you think will be the future for this sport over the next week or so? Oh, gee, who would, who would really want to predict it, Gareth? Look, he, I, I, uh, I listened to um, the interview with Martin Pathul this morning and certainly I, you know, it certainly felt like he was, telling the world that, um, well, he did say, enjoy it while it lasts. And normally when someone in life tells you enjoy it while it lasts, it means it's not going to last for long. So, um, uh, you know, without sounding like a sycophant, I do think that the team at Harness Racing Victoria and all the administrative bodies for the uh, for the various racing codes right around Australia have been exceptional in trying to face the challenges. But Harness Racing Victoria have been wonderful. The war room's been set up and it has been, as you mentioned, around the clock. Dale Brown and his executive team and the kindred bodies and everybody joining in the conversation and, and I guess being able to uh, to put forth their perspective and their opinion on how to deal with things if racing is shut down. We heard a little bit about the potentially radical plans that Harness Racing Victoria are, are attempting to undertake. So um, they're communicating with the government, obviously, and we hope for the best and prepare for the worst. I think that's the situation we're in right now. And, and Blake, I, I totally agree with you there, Jason, that uh, all three racing codes and their administrators have been excellent in this crisis, letting us know. But it is difficult times for everybody, and you have to feel a little bit for Dale Brown. He had a big job to start off with without this coronavirus mess. Indeed, Gareth. Indeed, it was uh, well, starting from square square one and uh, and trying to work from there. But I think there's probably three key things I think are worth taking note of. One is that if you are involved in harness racing, if you're involved in racing of any kind, uh, I think it's fair to say we can expect at some point there will be a shutdown. The second key thing is for the trots. We actually have this venue at Melton, which is also a hotel, and we've heard from Matt Stewart this morning on RSN and... Um, and from Adam Hamilton on social media, that potentially it could become a quarantine centre where there's, say, 100 horses stabled on course and um, participants and everybody needed to run the show can be quarantined at Melton. Now, that would seem to be an excellent idea. The question is, does that handle or how does that stack up to community standards going forward and whether it's seen as the right thing to still be racing when and if everything else closes? So... There's so much to consider. There's so much to still be worked through, obviously, with government support and getting these things done. But I think for us here having this conversation, we'd love to see the trots go on. It's just a matter of whether it's the right thing to do and whether it can be done. And Dale Brown's trying to be ahead of the game. We had a chat to him today. No doubt that that particular idea has been discussed 
um, in these meetings over the last 48 hours. Um, he didn't confirm or deny that when I did ask him whether um, maybe that you could set up base at Melton, but then you've got to pick the 100 horses, um, the trainers and drivers to, to live at Tabcourt Park Melton for who knows how long. And I know that they have put into place that they're going, as, as the week goes on, only eight horses per race will be competing, lads. And um, schedule continue to be the same. They'll race at the venues that were planned to be raced at. But that could all change as well. No, oh, look at the. It is the ultimate movable feast at the moment, Gareth. So we we really don't know, and we see this, don't we? Even from the top level, the federal government, Scott Morrison, uh, appears to hold a press conference every forty-five to fifty minutes at the moment. So, like, it's it's one of those situations where wherever you think you are, you're probably not actually there because it's moving. You're sort of in the riptide at all times at the moment with what's going on. But you did right, Dale Brown and and the executive team at Harness Racing Victoria. I mean, everyone could see what was happening, I suppose, and where it was likely to head, but they were ahead of the game, and uh, these radical sort of very left-brain ideas have come to the fore before time. So I guess the good thing about this situation is, and without sort of outlining the plan, because not even, you know, I know it 100%, that these discussions have been had before we've got to the absolute red line crisis time, so they were already started. Maybe if you just started having these conversations now or began the conversation now to be too late but if it's already been begun and you're starting to think about the infrastructure it would be an enormous job to get it over the line but I tell you what all I hope Bakes is that it's a situation where you look at every single industry based on their merits and based on common sense because there's going to be enormous pressure from everywhere to shut the whole thing down. We've just seen that New Zealand's going to go into full lockdown to the highest level of, or the highest phase um, trying to combat the spread of COVID-19 in a couple of days. And I think there's going to be an enormous pressure on governments just to say, I don't care what idea you come up with, we've just got to shut it down. But hopefully everything's done on its merits because if you come up with a plan and it actually looks like it really can work, then I'd love to see it given the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I don't disagree. I guess the, the question is, does it does it sit with community, community standards of whatever else is going through, and whether it's you know the right thing to do in the circumstances? I mean, it might be it might be a good thing for the sport. Obviously, being one of the only sports still going would be incredible for the promotion and and the access to it. But but at the same time, you know, it has to be weighed up with what's acceptable and what's you know what people believe is the right thing to do. And and I don't think I have that answer. I think we'll find out in the fullness of time what happens. But uh, there's plenty of merit to the idea at the very least. Let's have a look at point number two now. And Demon defies all to take out the Melton plate. We had Emma Stewart on RSN Central on the Friday and we asked her about her chances in the in the Melton plate. And she said, oh, I definitely would have selected Melton. I mean, Demon Delight is my best chance in the, the Melton plate, but um, he's come up with draw number eight. But Kate Gath made sure that that didn't worry Demon Delight there on Saturday night. What a drive it was from inside that second row. It, it wasn't your classic snag back to last and, and whip around them because you're the best horse sort of drive, was it, from Kate? She was aggressive at the start. She was hunting through from the second row and was able to get off the pegs, you know, in front of horses that um, might have been considered, you know, dangers in the market. So you're right, Gareth, it was an in- incredible drive for a horse that has so long been considered with, uh, you know, maybe equal to, to those around him, but not better than 
for him to win a big race like that, Bon, and, and, you know, he was fired up in the middle stages. He got keen. Kate sent him to the breeze when the, the tempo had slackened, and he was able to outstay them, really. It was, um, it, you know, it was a, a sprint home, I guess, in many ways, but he was still too strong from the breeze. Yeah, and look, as I mentioned on Twitter, a few people got their uh, knickers in a twist. This is always going to happen, I guess, when you've got four or five runners in a feature race and they all end up sort of taking up uh, four dominant positions in that race. And I can understand that some people, um, that they get upset. But really, we spoke about it with you, Gareth. I reckon Emma might have as well. We had a podcast and I spoke about it. They said over and over again, Emma and Clayton, that if our supply was able to find the front, they don't believe he's any good leading and he'd be handing up to an appropriate rival. And I think everybody mapped that appropriate rival to be four big men. So actually, the race panned out, as I believe most probably should have expected, apart from the fact that Kate Gass produced, in my opinion, you, you basically can't drive a race better than Kate drove demon delight to be able to get off the inside so easily make the move at the right time hurricane Harley was going to track demon delight up so she put on the afterburst to make sure she got to the breeze she used the speed factor that demon delight has as opposed to a horse like four big men she put four big men to bed early enough so that out to play couldn't wind up until too late it was just perfect on every level so it was a magnificent drive, and Demon Delight's a very, very good horse, obviously. I mean, Fides was luckless, and he is clearly a horse of the future. Like, his rapid uh, improvement over the last few weeks has just been something to behold. So where he's going to end up, I don't know. He's always going to be a sit sprinter, I reckon. I don't think he's going to turn into a bully of any kind, but his uh, progression has been phenomenal. Out to play was very good. Maybe he did get his chance to run down Demon Delight, just wasn't able to do so, but... I think it probably proves, again, with these elite four-year-olds, this outstanding crop of four-year-olds, there's not a lot between the very best, and you'd say that's, you know, Lock and Varart and probably the sixth, seventh or eighth best. So luck in running and brilliant drives like that produced by Kate on Saturday night will normally win you those big races. And the Stuart Stable could not have been more transparent with their thoughts before that race. So if anybody did complain to you, Jason, tell them to um, do their homework. Listen to RSN, the podcast, and, and also... Um, um, TV that night because I think I heard it about 25 times. Anyway, we'll move on. Point number three, no peaks, no worries for the Tornado. And what a trotter he is. I know he just he just loves to win. And um, he never looked like getting beat there again on, on, on Saturday night, if you know the horse, Blake. Yeah, well, you're right. He doesn't win by big margins, but he was always controlling the race. He, look, he's faced adversity off the pegs. In Australia, it's fair to say he hasn't won as much as when he's been leading, but he's still been able to win on occasion. But that was just a good sign that he was back. Obviously, there was you know he was beaten last time, certainly not disgraced when leading in the Trotting Grand Prix and being run down. But um, he just continues to perform. He runs to a level almost every time he steps out. Yes, there probably weren't two or three of the the absolute top line stars there to test him on the weekend, but he just got the job done and. Um, you know, just couldn't say enough good things about him and what he's done since coming to Australia. Clearly, sparkling success was a good eye catcher. He was second up. He's improving all the time now, and I can't wait to see when he's at his absolute best where he matches up with Tornado Valley. That's a clash I'm looking forward to in the next little while. Oh yeah, look, there's absolutely no no doubt that well, doesn't matter what sport it is. What separates the very very good from the great? from the champions, and whether you want to call Tornado Valley a champion or not, what separates them 
his competitive instinct, will to win, and that's what Tornado Valley has. He's very, very good. Is he, you know, outright the most talented trotter we've seen in Australia in the last 20 years? I wouldn't say he'd be even close, probably, but he's got that competitive instinct. He's got brilliant gates, but when he does draw the front line, he digs in for the fight. The story of the race, pretty much outside Tornado Valley, you've already mentioned, was sparkling success, because sparkling success was on his way to being Tornado Valley before Tornado Valley took over the mantle as the nation's number one trotter. And I was always of the opinion it wouldn't be till probably maybe fourth up from a break if he stays sound that we'll see the best of sparkling success. So to see him make that dramatic improvement first up to second up after 18 months off the scene, Gareth, tells me that in about two runs' time, we are going to get that mouth-watering clash that, uh, that Bakes wants and throws Dance Grays in the mix, hopefully, as well. And you're going to see... The three most talented trotters in Australia go head-to-head-to-head, to head to head, hopefully all at the peak of their powers. That's if we keep racing. Good on you, Johnny Mead, too. Well done with sparkling success. It's been a, a great job to get him back. Pacifico, point number four, proves when he leads, there aren't many better. That was a big performance there on Saturday night there, Blake. It was. He rated 155 and change, and... Um, he's just a very good leader, Pacifico Dream, and all three wins we've spoken about so far. Kate Gass has been the driver. Incredible night out for Kate on Saturday at Melton, and um, and you know this was basically push button, wasn't it? Pacifico Dream, he's he's a good gate speed horse. He's a really good leader, and he really did treat them with contempt in the end. Bonner, there was a bit going on behind him, but uh, he couldn't have been more impressive. He ran home in good sections, but really that second quarter, twenty-seven-six, is what broke their hearts and. They just couldn't get near him. Well, you picked him out, didn't you, quite early, Bakes? I think it'd start one or two when he produced that uh, that really big performance. And maybe it was a heat of the Vic Bread Super Series or something similar. And uh, he sort of, he's gone through little patches, but he is that kind of horse that if he's out in front and he's able to roll, uh, he's extraordinarily difficult to beat. We know how good lineup is. Lineup's won the Victoria New South Wales Derbies, yet in the heat of the New South Wales Derby, lineup couldn't sit parked and run past Pacifico Dream. So. He's going to keep developing because he's always had a few little issues and he's had some gait problems and all the rest. So he's going to keep maturing and keep on getting better. The question will be down the track, is he the kind of horse that can win a really big race where he's not in front? And he produced, I thought, a meritorious performance in the New South Wales Derby final, went off the pegs. But that's going to be the challenge for Pacifico Dream. He was taking on a very strong field on Saturday night in the size classic, but not an absolutely elite field. He was able to deal with them very, very comfortably in exceptional time when he was able to find the front. Now the test for him going forward, Gareth, if we're going to see him um, win more features, I guess, is is he able to be a little bit more versatile? And there's nothing to say that that won't happen because, as I say, I don't think we've got the finished product just yet. Point number five, Tara Zooms home in the Jody's Babe. I'll start by saying that I've harbour no will whatsoever towards delightful Tara, but I suspect there would be a group of people, a group of punters that probably don't love delightful Tara. She just seems to turn up and knock them off when they least expect it. She's won, well, three of her last seven or eight, but all at big odds, and again on the weekend, she's come from off speed and proven just too good for the likes of Rock and Roll Chapel and Nostra Villa and Beach Garden and um, all the horses in the market, really. She was just a level above Bond. I don't know what you make of her. I don't know your feelings towards her, but um, she's a very good mare. Yeah, no, don't love her. Uh, don't love her. <laughs> um, uh, like, as a horse, you know, I'm sure she's a lovely horse, but she's a very hard horse to catch at different times. Always, I think, if you if you sort of 
pretty aggressive or pretty confident in a race. In fact, every race you ever bet in and every race you ever analyse, you should go back and watch the replay and see what you got right and what you got wrong. And more often than not, as a punter, you learn a lesson because you say to yourself, OK, I misread this part of it or uh, I didn't get quite get this right. This is just one of those races that I just have to... You just have to put down to experience. They've gone 154-4. They only went 58-3 during the first half, and they didn't break seven seconds for the lead time over the short trip. And really, those on the speed should have kicked on a hell of a lot harder than they did. It just didn't happen, and they swept home from the back like they were going 152. So it was just a very unusual race, and Delightful Tara and Rock and Roll Chapel swept home. Our step-up was a little bit below her best. Nostra Villa... She's just becoming one of those horses, Nostra Villa. We know she's got enormous ability from her younger days, but she's just unable to consistently produce what she used to produce these days. So she'll pop up and win one of these races over the next few weeks, but you won't be able to catch her either. And there are a few luckless runs in behind, but... I think, Gareth, this is just one of those races that you've got to put down to experience and say, well, it's not necessarily that you got anything right or you got anything wrong. It was just one of those races that even if you were playing in the run, you couldn't have found the winner, probably. And the final point, pay rise too strong in the Onion Cup. It's been an incredible Country Cup series, hasn't it? And pay rise has now won his second after bought on uh, on Sunday at Onion. And excellent win from him. Again, he sort of was able to control the race from the breeze and was too good for... One of the Sunraysia's favourites, Murrindjai Track, and, and then Perspective and Bralos Pass. So uh, he's a he's a horse that's doing a really good job and done a really good job um, through his whole career. But uh, yeah, good to see him get a, another deserved Country Cup on the weekend, boss. Yeah, well, Karen Karen's just a master of being able to develop horses into Country Cup horses, even if you don't think they're Country Cup horses to start with. And I'll speak even of a horse like Pat Stanley. Well, he didn't win a country cup. He won the South Australian Cup. But she finds these horses and then drills the toughness into them and makes them stamina beasts. And um, it was a very good win from Pay Rise. Pressed the button at the right time and was able to pinch the margin. Got tired late, but got the job done. And we shouldn't forget the man who uh, probably started the, the, the passage towards this sort of win for Pay Rise was Gavin Lang, who took over the horse from Alan Donahue about two years ago. And we know Gavin's going through an exceptionally tough time at the moment. And he was the start of the rise for Pay Rise, but Karen's taken over and it was a really good win on the weekend. All right, boys, that wraps up gate speed on this Monday. It's been a lot of fun. Um, hopefully we can back plenty of winners today, Blake. Have you got a winner for us again, just to recap your specials at Yarra Valley? Yeah, I like race three, number two, and race four, number three. So we'll try and get the money by early afternoon. What about you, Jace? Do you have something no, for us? I'm going to be joining in with Galactic Gal, race four, number three. Yeah, well, yes. It's, it's my team, as you know. So I'm uh, more than happy to get involved with that one. But I, I'm, I'm more thinking, thinking about, if, you know, if do you want to play some golf? I don't even know if you play golf, Gareth. Do you, I mean, do you want to play golf? Do no. you get, catch a coffee? Or uh, I don't know. We, we might have to make plans over the next few days, but hopefully we've got our face fingers time, and toes Jason, crossed. FaceTime, FaceTime. FaceTime. Fingers and toes crossed that, um, that we will keep racing because this is what we love and hopefully uh, hopefully we get to do it and hopefully the participants get to keep on doing it as well. Just quickly, Yarny looks tough to beat for Emma Stewart in uh, heat of the gold chalice there at Bathurst today. Emma Stewart's got a strong team there. Uh, Mac Dan's at eighty five. Your love child, um, Blake. Um, taking on Sunny Weaver at two ten. There, what do you think? I, I, all I want to talk about Gareth is Ideal Dan, who is Emma Stewart's two-year-old up there in Bathurst. Just wait for the weekend because I, I really like Ideal Dan. I think he's a very, very good two-year-old.
I've got a special for you at Bathurst. Mystery Road, son of Mr. Feelgood, first up for Craig Cross. Takes on Percy Bale. I think get two dollars sixty. Perfect strider winning a dollar twenty. Um, and I and I've got one at uh, Pinjarra Trots for you today, lads. Go on. You ready for it? Yeah. Uh, it's a Golden Girls Mile. Time honoured race over there. You can get two dollars twenty five for our Alfie Romeo. In the Golden yeah. Girls over the mile. Rosie's Ideals two twenty five. Now please, she should have nearly won the um, Ladyship Mile. I'm, t- I'm telling you what, because, because of the, the times that we're in, I'm going to absolutely launch on that, Gareth, and you'll either get a text from me saying, "Good on your brother," or, um, or I'm in, or uh, you know, I'm in, I'm even in deeper lockdown than I was before. I'm going to launch yeah. now because your confidence is so strong. Hey, have a wonderful day, boys. Thanks for your time as always. Thank you. There we go. There is Blake Redden and Jason Boddington. We'll take a quick break here on RSN Central. After that, we'll go live to New Zealand to catch up with Mickey Guerin with the latest 